0: This is episode number 297 with number one New York Times bestselling author, Dan Harris. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome everyone to the School of Greatness podcast, so pumped up for today's episode. It's with my man, Dan Harris. And for those that don't know who Dan is, he's a number one, your time, bestselling author of 10% Happier. He's the co-anchor of ABC News Nightline, and he's also the co-anchor of the weekend edition of Good Morning America. He has covered many of the biggest stories in recent years, including combat in Afghanistan, Israel. And has made over six visits to Iraq. He has led ABC News coverage of faith and spirituality and is just an incredible human being. I had a great time with him in my studio covering all the topics we talk about in his book. And so much more that he's learned over the years of being on TV. And we also talk about the breakdown he had on live TV a number of years back and how it transformed and triggered him into learning about all this that he's going into right now. And some of the things that we're going to be talking about today is how to stay present when there's so much happening and there's so much overwhelm. How do we actually stay present in the moment? Why we react so quickly to challenges instead of remaining calm and how to shift this how taking drugs led to Dan's panic attack while filming Good Morning America, why Dan views mental exercise the same way as physical exercise, and so much more. This is for the skeptics that don't believe in mindfulness or meditation. Dan is the ultimate skeptic who didn't believe in any of this, and he's going to share why he believes in it now and how he Uh, applies it to his daily life and how it's improved his life so i hope you guys enjoy this one it's going to be a fun one and make sure to check out the full show notes at lewishouse.com slash 297 you can watch the full video interview there share it with your friends as well because this one's going to help a lot of people now without further ado let's dive into this episode with the one the only dan harris Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. Very excited about our guest today. His name is Dan Harris. He's got a book out. that came out a while ago. It's a number one New York Times bestseller. It's called 10% Happier. How I tamed the voice in my head, reduced stress without losing my edge and focus. Found self-help that actually works. A true story. Thanks for being here, Dan.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having I'm me, I'm
0: excited. Man. We were just talking about Making a Murderer and uh, podcasting and many other things. Maybe we'll show some of these videos later. Um, but uh, I'm excited to dive into everything you've been up to because <clears throat> I don't know too much about you, actually. I've heard about you, and I've done some minimal research for this, uh, but I know you are, have been on air. How long have you been on air for now?
1: I've been on ABC News for 16 years, and before that, for seven years, I was in local news. Wow. 16 years, i on ABC, sixteen years, on ABC, and then seven years on ABC. All with GMA, or uh, no? I, I, uh, so I, I, when I started ABC News, I was just a general assignment reporter, meaning I just covered whatever. Okay. So I went, I spent a lot of time after nine eleven in places like Iraq and Afghanistan, Pakistan, Israel, right. and the West Bank, and then I started anchoring shows. I anchored the Sunday Night News for a while. Hmm. Um, I like this product. To place it up there for you, so we can see it. Yes. I anchored the Sunday evening news for a little while and then I started anchoring the weekend edition of Good Morning America and now I also anchor Nightline.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And uh what made you inspired to be doing what you're doing? Uh with the book and stuff like that? With uh, or the with journalism? TV stuff. Yeah, yeah, with journalism. Uh why well,
1: well, get into that in the first place? I didn't I had a you know a short attention span. My parents were doctors <laughs> and I wasn't smart enough to be a doctor um and I had a mi- I had um TV and the movies kind of mixed up in my head. Uh so when I was in college I either wanted to go into the movies or television television news even though in fact they've like nothing in common. So I en- ended up going to film school for a little bit. Where was this? At NYU. Okay. I did a semester at NYU and I realized that I sucked at at, <laughs> at film. So that was useful. Sure. So then I went into TV news. I did a bunch of internships in in college, loved it. Um mm. I really like because as I said, I had a short, I have a short attention span. Every day is different. Every day is yeah. unpredictable. Um, and that's I, fun for you. It's, it's amazing. And I get to, and you, you get to do this on your podcast. And so you know how fun it is. You get to ask people impertinent questions like anytime you want. Um, yeah. so I love that. That's And amazing. I'm a curious and a little bit rude. And so that, that <laughs> works for me.
0: <laughs> What's been the most, uh, memorable interview you've ever done?
1: Most memorable interview yeah, I've ever done. Who was that person? I don't think I can pick one, but the one that's coming to mind right now is actually in the book, uh, was right here in LA with, uh, Paris Hilton where she walked away f- from the interview in the middle of the interview. No way. Why? Because yes. I asked her. For the book
0: or was this for GMA? This was just, the,
1: this was for GMA, for Good Morning America. I was, I was assigned randomly to interview. I don't interview a lot of celebrities and they, I don't know why they asked me to interview Paris Hilton. And it's not live. Is it live? It wasn't live. Okay. It was a taped piece about, I can't remember what the, specific reason was i don't follow celebrities much but my wife hates when i say this my wife is a doctor she's incredibly smart but she really knows a lot about celebrities so i asked her some questions about paris hilton and she said well you know one thing you might ask her about is that she's kind of lost her step a little bit you know kim kardashian's you know she's not in the news yeah (laughs) so i said to her in the interview i said you know you little does it burn you at all that that uh, kim kardashian you're you know is like kind of overshadowed you a little bit she said no and i said You sometimes think maybe your time has passed, and she just got up and walked away. No way, she got up and walked away.
0: Did she say anything to you after that? Did you say I'm sorry or go after her? She
1: said uh, off camera. She said that my she said that I was rude and that the question she used uh, some words that I won't use here to describe the question, and so we kind of like had it out a little bit, and then uh, she tried to tell me that I couldn't use that moment where she walked away on television. And I was like, "Well, you can't really tell me what I can do." Um, you agreed to do this, yes. Yeah. And so then, so then, we, we kind of made up. She gave me a hug, and then we ended up using that moment on TV anyway. Wow! Mm-hmm. Not so that, I don't know not how not that feels. it matters
0: because no one's going to watch her when she's being overshadowed by Cam, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Um, interesting. I'm sorry, Paris. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm teasing. I'm sure she's a great girl. Um, interesting. So, what is uh, how do you prepare for your interviews and? How do you prep your, your guests before? Is, do you ask them a set of questions before you begin? Like, did
1: you ask her, is there anything off limits? No, so we don't do that. You don't do uh, it. You just we just show up and. Let's go. Yeah. So you can talk. I mean, you can definitely talk to them and broadly about what you're going to talk about. But we are, it's against our, we have very specific, at ABC News, very specific standards and practices. Gotcha. You can't give people questions beforehand. Really? No. You can talk about broadly what you want to discuss.
0: You can say like, hey, how are you? It's good to see you.
1: Yeah, 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 or like, hey, we're going to talk about your book, or we're going right, to talk right. about this, but we can't. I can't say I'm going to ask ask you X, Y, and Z. And if they tell me that certain things are off limits, uh, is my you can is still my, ask them. Yeah, they, they 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 don't have to answer. Right. But that almost makes me. It almost pushes me into Once, where yes. I have to.
0: Interesting.
1: Because I don't want to be dictated to as a um I'm as only a journalist. Covering these things. Yeah yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, but um, so you asked me before we went on. Is there anything off limits? I said no.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which is I wish you would have told me something so I could have dove right, in. Exactly, no, right, exactly. That would have been more provocative. <laughs> exactly, right. Okay. <laughs> um who is the uh what's a question what's a big guess that you had on that afterwards you man, you, you thought to yourself, man, I really wish I would have asked something different? Or I really missed the opportunity to ask that one question that maybe could have like made this story complete or made it that much better. Is there one guess you can think of?
1: Well, you know, I talk about, I talk about this a lot in the book too. I had one, a formative interview for me was, have you ever heard of Eckhart Tolle? Of Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm losing my voice a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Uh, so Eckhart Tolle, yeah. I, I, you know, the book's about meditation and this which guy, is that
0: the four agreements, right? Is he a book called? You know, he, wrote the of? power of now. Power of Now. I'm thinking of another one. This is, uh, the four Dominic agreements, Ruiz,
1: Ruiz. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I've seen the four agreements, like in the bookstore, book. but I haven't. I don't know who wrote it, and I haven't read it.
0: I think that's Don Miguel
1: Ruiz. Ruiz, Ruiz yes. I, I have
0: it here. I'll give you a copy somewhere here. Okay. Uh, but the power of now is Eckhart Tolle. Yes. Yes.
1: yes. So, <laughs> so uh, I, uh, as I was saying, the book is about meditation, which I wasn't like not really my thing. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of. I grew up thinking meditation is bullshit, and, yes. and I had no interest in doing it. But interviewing Eckhart Tolle is actually one of the things that kind of set me on the path toward... Really? Yes. Because he was the first person I ever heard talk about having a voice in your head, which I know you've talked about in your podcast, mm-hmm. the voice between your ears. Yes. Um, he, he is really the first person I ever heard um, articulate it so clearly. He says that you have this <laughs> inner narrator that chases you out of bed in the morning and is yammering at you all day long and has you constantly wanting stuff or rejecting stuff or comparing yourself to other people or thinking about the past or thinking about the future to the detriment of whatever's happening right now. And I had never heard anybody actually say that so clearly. Mm. And um, so I went and interviewed Eckhart Tolle because, uh, because I was interested in that. And my question for him was, what do you do about the voice in the head? What can you do about it? And he seemed unwilling or unable to answer that question. Hmm, really? I just pressed him and pressed him and pressed him. And maybe I'm a moron and he did answer it, but, and I didn't understand it. And that's entirely possible because I have, I definitely retained the capacity to be an <laughs> idiot. Um, but that was super frustrating for me. That was an interview where I walked away thinking the guy's clearly smart. He's definitely different. He seems like, um, he's kind of in a different headspace sure. than most sure. of us. Um, but I did not get, I did not get what I came here looking for. Gotcha.
0: All right. But ultimately, wouldn't his answer just been meditation?
1: If he had said meditation, it would have simplified things immensely for me. But he didn't say that. He did not say that. He did not say that. Although, you know, I have to say in Eckhart's defense, in some of his books, he does talk about meditation, but it's kind of like not front and center. It's not the focus. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Interesting. So for those that don't know uh, the catalyst for why this journey began what happened? something happened to you on the news correct? Yes, and yeah. What what is this that happened when was it mm-hmm. can you tell the story
1: yeah sure sure i had a panic attack okay. on a little show we do called good morning america <laughs> so prime time prime prime time How many
0: people are watching me I, I,
1: I know i know the exact number wow. uh, 5.019 <laughs> million okay do you remember the day june 2004 i don't remember the exact day
0: 2004 yeah
1: okay. it was a while ago yes so I was in the middle of I was actually doing the news updates. So that's the guy who comes on at the top of each hour and reads the headlines. Uh-huh. And I had done the job many times, right. so I didn't have any reason to foresee that I was going to freak out. Yes. Um, and a couple seconds into my shtick, where I was, you know, just going to read six or seven stories off the teleprompter, uh, I just lost my mind. Basically, I uh, my heart started racing, my palms were sweating, my mouth dried up, my lungs seized up, I couldn't talk. I could not talk, and that, as far as I know, is the job of an anchorman to talk. <laughs> and I couldn't do it, the, yes. The I was supposed to be saying things, I couldn't say things, I couldn't squeak out any noise. So, I basically just ended it. I tossed it back to the main host of the show. And, um, uh, how long did
0: this go on for?
1: Went on, it five felt five like seconds, ten, it felt to ever, me, ever. yeah, like the length of Ben Hur, but it was, uh, actually, um. Just a couple seconds. Right. And if you watch it, and it's actually a lot of people watch it on YouTube, um, if you watch it, I get one of two reactions. If you've ever had any taste of panic in your life, you know exactly what you're looking at, and it's very painful. If you haven't, some people say, eh, you know, it's not that bad. It really doesn't matter because for me, I know exactly what it was, and it yes. was the worst moment of my entire life, no question about it. <laughs> right. um, so after the panic attack, I went to – actually, I had two panic attacks. Um, the second one was much more mild. So after the second panic attack, I went to a shrink. I was an expert in panic. And I was, you know, trying to figure out what 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 was going wrong. And he asked me a bunch of questions. And one of the questions he asked was, do you do drugs? And I kind of sheepishly said, yeah, I do. Uh, And so here's the backstory. Um, I, as I mentioned before, spent a lot of time in war zones when I was a young reporter. Very ambitious guy, type A, striver, also very curious, and also a deep, firm and still fervent believer in the power of journalism. Yes. And so I, after 9-11, went to Iraq six times. I went to Pakistan, Afghanistan, um, the West Bank, Gaza, Israel, covered the second uh, intifada. And I came home in the summer of 2003 after spending like four or five months in Iraq, and I got depressed, and I didn't even know I was depressed, Mm. and I did a very stupid thing, which is I started to self-medicate with cocaine and ecstasy. I'd never done drugs before. I was 32 years old. Wow. I'd smoked weed, but not never done a hard drugs. And so this doctor asked me, do you do drugs? And I say, yeah, I do. And he says, okay, idiot, mystery solved. And he pointed wow. out that even though my drug use was kind of intermittent, I never, I wasn't, you know, I make this joke a lot. It wasn't like that movie, The Wolf of Wall Street. And I don't <laughs> right, know if you saw that yeah, where he's course. like doing lewds every day. <laughs> I was, um, you know, I was doing it once in a while, but the, Doctor said, and I wasn't high that morning. It was like uh, I had done it maybe right. a couple weeks prior. Sure. It was like it was enough to artificially raise the level of adrenaline in your brain and make you more likely to have panic attacks. So stop doing drugs. So I did. I stopped okay. doing drugs and I started to see this guy once or twice a week for years. I still see him once in a while. Um, then something else happened. So this is like a multifactorial story. Um, my boss at the time was Peter Jennings. Um, Uh, assigned me to cover faith and spirituality for ABC News. So I started covering religion. And that's how I interviewed Eckhart Tolle, because I started covering religion. And so after this interview with Eckhart Tolle, I, I... it put so many things together for me. When he started describing the voice in the head, I realized that is why I had a panic attack because the voice in my head told me to go off to cover wars without thinking about the psychological consequences. Mm. That voice in my head allowed me to come home and get depressed and be insufficiently self-aware to, to know it. And then they gave me the terrible idea of using drugs. And, uh, so it put so many things together for me. And so why, which is why I wanted to go interview Eckhart Tolle, who, you know, was not the type of guy who normally. I was not a big consumer of self help. Oh. You know, I was raised by scientists. Um, I'm married to a scientist. I was. I grew up <laughs> right, in the right. People's Republic of Massachusetts. You know, like I'm yeah, not right. a religious right. or spiritual guy yes. at all. Um, but I ended up talking to Toli because I was so interested in this idea about the voice in the head, and I was very frustrated that he couldn't do tell me anything to do about it. And then I I came home and my like uh, a couple weeks later my what my then fiance, and now wife slash baby mama, Bianca, gave me a book by a guy named Dr. Mark Epstein, Uh who is a shrink and a Buddhist. And I read that book and I realized, oh, A, all the stuff that I like the most in Eckhart Tolle seems to be lifted without attribution from a dude named the Buddha, and B, the Buddha had a really simple thing to do about the voice in the head, which is to meditate. There you go. That's the long answer to your question. There you go. Okay.
0: so. Uh, when did you apply your first meditation or when did you get into it and test it or sample something yourself? This, this
1: was like 2009. My problem was, even though I was really interested in it, I, I was you never did it. I, well, I, it took me a while, and yeah. here's why: I was of the view that meditation was like the hardest of the hardcore bullshit. Like mm-hmm. I just thought it was only for weirdos and people who are really into Cat Stevens and, right. and aromatherapy and and you know Bowls geodes. yes, 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 and and you know make you know flower crowns and, and kombucha, whatever. Right. So like, not my scene. Burning I, Man, yes. Everyday, yes, Well, I'm not so. I'm not. I'm not against Burning Man, but but <laughs> for a variety of reasons. But sure. but but nonetheless, I. I uh culturally had a lot of resistance to doing it. but then I learned a couple of things. One was there's an enormous amount of science now that suggests that meditation is really yes, good. For you. That it lowers your blood pressure, boosts your immune system, literally rewires key parts of your brain. Yes, so that I learned that was the thing I learned first. Then I learned that mindfulness meditation, which is the kind of meditation that is being studied the most in the labs. It's totally secular. You don't have to believe in anything. You don't have to join a group. You don't have Not to religious. No, you don't have to be a Buddhist. You don't have to be anything. You just very. Uh, uh, it's very doable and secular. And third, that it's simple. It, you don't have to wear robes. You don't <laughs> have to like clang bells, chant. None of that. You can if you want, if right, that's right, your right. thing. But yeah. you, but you don't have to. It's really yes. just about feeling your breath coming you in yeah, exactly. Yes. And then every time you get distracted. Which is going to happen a million times. You start over and over yeah. and over and Especially over. Especially for someone like you who has got ADD. right? Correct. I don't know if I have ADD, but, but it I certainly
0: like to jump from thing to thing.
1: Correct. Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. And it's probably in a newsroom too. It's like you got one story, then the next story. It's yeah. like you going to go from the next to the next. It's like you never get to, You never get to slow down.
1: Correct. A million TVs going, and re- you're jumping from story to story. It's it's five million yes. people
0: watching everything. Yes. Day you're like yes. ah, you know, I can yes. only imagine having a panic attack. You know. Correct. Interesting. So do you find yourself? Okay. So you, what was the first thing you implemented or tried? So
1: I, I read a book. I read a bunch of books about meditation, finally got comfortable with the idea. And, uh, I just set, a, uh, the alarm on my phone back then it was a Blackberry and <laughs> I like sat on the floor for five minutes and I tried to do it and it was terrible. It was like wow. my, it was terrible. I had a full frontal collision with the voice in my head and I realized so this that this
0: is stupid. It hurts. Yes. It's yes. not doing anything for me. It's yes. annoying.
1: All of that. Yeah. Basically, what you see head on is that you're an asshole. Right. Like, you see, like, I'm a complete asshole. Like, I'm just like, all I'm thinking about is when is lunch? Do I need a haircut? You know, what's my relationship with my boss right now? What can yeah. I get out of this person? Me over yeah, it? yeah, yes, yes. Okay. And the whole game is just to notice, like, these are just thoughts. Yeah. These are just thoughts. We, we spend so much time enchanted by these stories we're telling ourselves, but they're just stories. Mm-hmm. And you can let them go. And go back to your breath. And that is a huge change in your life. It doesn't mean you're going to become a master meditator if such a thing even exists. Uh, and, you know, I, I mean, I, I think maybe you can become a master over decades, but you're not, it's not going to, this is, you're not going to win at meditation. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, it's not like a competitive sport. Yeah. The, the, the whole get, you are winning. As soon as you realize that this circus in your head is just a circus and you don't need to listen to the ringmaster all the time. Correct. Unless you make it reality. Correct.
0: Yeah. place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, so did you have a teacher or someone coach you or you said you were reading these different books and learning about it? Have you found something that you do every single day now or do you try different types of meditation? I know obviously you talk about it in your book. You've got an app out that we'll talk about as well, but what does it you specifically do that works for you? So,
1: so I, I I guess this was pre-app period. You know, like I, there weren't a lot of apps that I knew of when medit when I started meditating. Like 2009. Yeah, yeah, 10, yeah, yeah. So I think it was before apps were out, and I didn't want to do guided meditations. And and yeah. so I just read some books, and it's not complicated, right? So
0: I, I <laughs> breathe in, breathe out, right,
1: right. <laughs> yeah. Um, although frankly, we make it complicated, and it's really helpful. Apps can be really helpful. So I did about a year of on my own and then I did a crazy thing which is I went on a 10-day silent meditation. Yeah,
0: I have a lot of friends who've done that and they say it's unbelievable. What did you learn about yourself during that?
1: Um well, first of all, the first 4 or 5 days are the worst thing it's that ever life, happened yeah. to you. It's the worst. The worst.
0: No, there's like a little bit of talking here like with the teacher or something maybe at night if you have a question, mm-hmm. but that's essentially it. Yes. And then you're just alone, you can't look at anyone. Yes.
1: Or- the silence is not the hard part. What because it's not like part? the other people there that I'm like dying to chat with. Right, right. It's, it's, the hard part is meditating all day long. You wake up at five in the morning and you're basically meditating until you go to bed.
0: Feels like time is forever.
1: The seconds are landing hard, <laughs> man. It's, it's tick. Yes. Tick. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's the tough part. It's
0: like eight hours of meditation or more. Um, so you have breakfast, lunch. You do like some walking. Or I, I something
1: added like it up. I can't remember. It's it's between seated and walking meditation. It's like between six and eight hours a day. Unbelievable. And and you're supposed to be mindful, like on your mindful game, basically paying attention all the time. So mm-hmm. as you eat, you're supposed to eat really slowly. When you're walking between things, you're supposed to be doing it really slowly. There are some people on this meditation retreat that I was on who were like moving in slow mo all the time. And, but what happened was uh, the first four or five days terrible, and then I had. I don't know, breakthrough that I don't know if you, whatever. I don't want to be overly dramatic. I I just had a moment that lasted, I would say, about 36 hours where I was probably the happiest I've ever been.
0: Wow. Why?
1: I was dragged kicking and screaming into the present moment. Instead of wandering off into rumination or projection, I was like right there with whatever's happening. And my senses were incredibly sharp. Everything looked vivid. I could hear the birds in the trees. My t- food tasted amazing. Um, I wasn't obsessing about things. I was just enjoying and uh, being right there with everything that was happening right there. Just and that's your life, by the way. I mean, that should be our lives, except we're uh, cursed with these prefrontal cortices, and we're you know, which gives us the ability to like make iPhones and build skyscrapers, but it also yanks us away from uh you know, reality all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you think is the purpose of our lives on a day-to-day basis? Is it to be present? Is it to have a vision and a dream and be thinking forward thinking of how we can become better for this better future? What do you think is the or is it to focus on the past? What do you think is the purpose?
1: I think that's an amazing question that I am probably ill suited to answer, but let me give you a I I, I would my I haven't thought this through as you can probably tell. So let me say, my gut tells me there are several purposes. Um, the, f- the first of which would be to, uh, be of use to other people and, and to the world, I would say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the second of which is you can't do that if you don't have your shit together. So it's the, the, now this is not my analogy, but the analogy that I've heard used this is a little bit like, when uh you when the oxygen comes down in a, in an airplane when they're having trouble they always say put your own mask on first right, right. before you help others so i th- i think those are the two two arenas in which we mm-hmm. should be playing
0: mm-hmm. how do we stay present when there's just so much happening and so much in the past and so much in the future that we're thinking about how do we Bring, come back to the present.
1: Look, I, I don't think you need to be perennially present. I think that's a little too much to ask, although somebody like Eckhart Tolle will tell you that he is. And that, that if that's true, you know, awesome. That works for him. Yes. Yeah. Hashtag blessed. That's <laughs> right. awesome. Um, right, right, I I don't know that that's possible for the rest of us. So, I mean, th- th- there's a reason why I called the book 10% Happier. because I mean, it's a joke. I pulled that out of my ass. But, but I don't think we should... Put upon ourselves expectations of perfection that are not attainable. I think you can you can get a little bit better all the time. Yeah. And so meditation is a really good tool to help you not get so yanked down the rabbit hole of rumination or projection, uh, because it basically you're training your brain to come back to whatever's happening right now over and over and over again. And every time you get lost in thought while you're trying to meditate, and you notice you've become lost, and you start again. That's a bicep curl for your brain, man, and right. it shows up on the brain scans. Right, you're changing your brain. You're doing a kind of neurosurgery on yourself. Yeah, and um, we have a lot of science now to suggest strongly that it, that it works.
0: Yeah. Do you have a practice daily that you follow? Oh, you,
1: you asked me that at one point. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I do. Uh, I uh, I I do a lot now. So I've kind of um, jumped into the deep end of the pool, sure. or at least I'm trying to. Uh, so I do two hours a day, and uh, but my my. Way of doing that is I tell myself I can do it in whatever increments I want, whenever I want. Five minutes at a time. I could do five time. minutes. So this morning I had time, so I did 70 minutes. And so at some point during my goal during the rest of the day will be to get those 50 minutes in somehow. Um, and I do straight up mindfulness meditation, which is um, there are lots of permutations of that. Uh, so usually the basic instructions are just to feel your breath coming in and going out. And every time you get lost, go back to the breath. So I do a little bit of that, but I also do what's called noting practice where drop my focus on the breath and just note whatever's happening in my field of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So thinking, feeling my butt on the chair, uh, feeling the cold air air. coming at. Yeah. So it's, and what the, why that's useful is in a sense, you're kind of like objectifying your thoughts and, and the sensations uh, that come up in your, um, consciousness, and so you're not taking it also personally. And so when anger comes up in your real life, you're not yanked around by it. Mm. So you, when somebody cuts you off on the freeway,
0: it's like uh, someone just cut me off on the freeway. You know, or,
1: you don't have to. You you will get angry. You're not going to be like transformed into you know <laughs> a, 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 a je, you know a bowl of jello. But right. you don't have to take the bait and act on it and start chasing that dude down the highway. Yeah, your act. kids in the back of the car. So the 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 cliche here. And I hate meditation cliches, but the one that I love is that what meditation teaches you how to do is respond wisely instead of reacting blindly. Mm-hmm. And that's the game. That is mindfulness.
0: Why do you think we react so much to so many situations in our day to day life? Because
1: we're unaware of the central feature of our lives, which is our inner narrator. Nobody points out to us that this voice that's offering up terrible suggestions like, you know, eat the 18th cookie or, <laughs> Say the thing that's going to ruin the next forty eight hours of your marriage or whatever. Nobody points out that that voice is is full of shit. You know mm-hmm. that it's it's just a you know it is um, has no relationship necessarily to reality. Sometimes it has great ideas, but you have to have um, An awareness, mindfulness. Oh yes, you have to be able to step out of the traffic and yes. to see it with some non judgmental remove in order to figure out, in order to separate wheat from chaff, in order to figure out, oh, this is a good idea, this is a terrible one. Um, and, and mindfulness is a basic human capacity. We all have. It's our birthright. It's not just something like Eckhart Tolle and Deepak Chopra have. We all have it. Um, and all you all you have to do is have it pointed out to you that you have this capacity to step out of the stream of consciousness a little bit and to see it without blindly reacting to it. And meditation <sighs> yeah. teaches you how to do it.
0: Why do you think we were wired and designed to be
1: this way you know it's it, you know the best guess I've asked people, uh, I've asked this question a yeah. lot I mean we, we, we um, you know we evolved for threat detection you know we as a species evolved in a time when there were a lot of threats you know saber-toothed tigers um, other dangerous mm-hmm. uh, human beings Um other animals um and so we had to constantly be on guard and what made us different from other animals is this ability to plan for the future and learn from the past and so really we evolved Mm. this part of the brain the new part of the brain really evolved and allowed us to do some some of the things that are the most remarkable feats of humanity like i was saying before build plan and build skyscrapers go to the moon build building correct Correct. yes 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 and but it also, you know, you, you don't see your dog spending a lot of time worrying uh, or planning. This is by the same token, you know, the dog poops on the rug. So it's not um, mindful. Yeah. I don't know if you want to call it. There's a difference between being present and mindful, right? Exactly. Yeah. But the dogs are present. Yes. You know, my yeah. cats are present. I don't know if they're mindful when they're puking on my bed, <laughs> which they do.
0: Uh, they all do, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Amazing. So no one's really giving you a great answer except for that. That answer of that's the guess. Yeah,
1: that's the guess. But the, clearly, we also have in our brains/slash minds this capacity to be mindful. So, yes. and and what, what the genius of the Buddha, and and I say this as a guy who describes himself as a Buddhist Buddhist, but at the same time I'm not religious. So I think Buddhism is not something to believe in, but something to do. Mm-hmm. The genius of the Buddha was, and and lots of other people in history, by the way, not just the Buddha, but the Buddha is the guy who I I just know the most about. Is that he he saw that we have we have this ability to kind of hack our own minds and get out of this rut.
0: How many years ago was Buddha?
1: Twenty six hundred years ago.
0: Pretty incredible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what is uh what's next for this mindful space, this meditation space? There's a lot happening. There's mm-hmm. a lot of voices, experts, books, apps. Where is it heading, and how can we? know what's right for us or what can we start with.
1: I think it's awesome. I think there's like kind of an explosion now yeah. where where you're seeing it in, in corporations, you're seeing yeah. it in locker rooms, you're seeing yeah. it in... um TV stations
0: uh, probably. Absolutely. Right? We
1: have a meditation room on the 13th floor of, a, of our building. Really? In ABC News. We have a meditation
0: room. Do you go in there yes. and see other people? Wow. I do
1: i do i when i go it's usually because i usually i usually go before uh i anchor nightline and so i'm by myself but there are three o'clock meditations almost every day no way yes. so someone's
0: leading the meditation well,
1: actually you know who, what they use the meditations from our app that's cool in the room okay and sometimes people lead it and it's a whole mix um, but it's taken off on its own lots of corporations have meditation rooms now um uh lots of you know, I mentioned before the lead singer of Weezer is a daily meditator. Yep. Katy Perry, Lena Dunham, Fifty Cent, a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people are meditating, so I think it's an awesome thing. I don't know where it's all heading. What I th- where I hope it's heading is that this is the next big public health revolution. Yeah, I think that like the we- next
0: yoga, like the way yoga yes. is becoming mainstream, yeah. it's like this is the next.
1: I think we're going to view mental exercise the same way w- we view physical exercise. Yeah, the you same know, gyms. Yeah, I
0: mean, there's a. I don't know if you're aware of the. <laughs> meditation center that's unplug. here. Unplug. Yeah, unplug. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm assuming those are going to be opening up like yeah. yoga centers.
1: There's one in New York now called Mindful. Uh, there's I just heard that they're opening up. Uh, uh, I, I just got a call from a woman who's opening up a center in Miami. I know there's one in Austin. So it's definitely happening. It's happening, yeah. yeah. And
0: it's going to be just like yoga, I'm assuming. And there's going to be Mindful or meditation centers everywhere.
1: So the question is, See, I think this is a big business question. Is is, is does it become like there are yoga uh, meditation studios like yoga studios, or is it more something that people do at home that is an app based thing? So our bet is that it's uh, a mix, yes. but but probably more of a private thing. Well, um, people
0: like people like to do yoga in private than other people like to have like the group energy. Yes, and like being an unplug. I went one time. Mm-hmm. And it was, you had someone leading, facilitating it, but there was a lot of silence. So she would just kind of facilitate. I think they had maybe some light noises, like some bowl things or something, rhythms being played, but it was literally just laying on my back and breathing and you almost forgot there were people around you. So. I think it's a little bit of both, yeah. I think there's
1: something very powerful about being in a, in a room full of people doing it. Yes. Um, it is kind of a HOV lane effect, you know, that uh-huh. you move a little bit faster when you are when you have friends with whom you're talking or not uh-huh. who, are, who are also take this seriously. Yes. Um, so I, I think that's going to be a big thing. I also believe, you know, as you mentioned before, that apps are going to be a big deal. Yeah. And we're already seeing it. There are a lot, lots of great apps out there. We just started, literally just started. I love your advice as, as somebody who has... Infinitely more experience in business than I do. Um, we just started a company uh, to build an app that's called Ten Percent Happier Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. So it's really aimed at <laughs> I like people. The name. Thank you. We're, it's really aimed at at people who people are, like you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the pre meditation me. I, we're, yeah. I am. I, I have in mind. I'm designing this for the me of like seven years ago who would, yeah, yeah. Who would have said, "Laugh you know, at this." Exactly. So, so this doesn't
0: work. That's fluffy. Mm-hmm. That's some woo woo stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, Mostly, I mean, the pro- my diagnosis, the, uh, the big problem in the space with meditation is even though it's being accepted in really interesting areas, and even though there's scientific evidence, it's still too often served up with a pan flute. It's, what do you mean by that? It's just served up in like a woo-woo right. way sure, with sure. like pan flute music and um, <laughs> crystals right, right, and all that right, stuff. Right. And it doesn't need to be presented that way. It yeah. just doesn't. I mean, it's first of all. As soon as you look into your mind, you realize it's funny yes so you can there's a lot of jokes to be made, so you can do this with a sense of humor. you don't have to be so serious about it mm-hmm. second of all it's it, it's um it's pretty simple you don't it's pretty nuts and bolts. you yes. don't really need to um talk to people with, and, and address them as grasshopper you know it's it doesn't <laughs> yeah, have yeah, to be not... that way, and yes. so our whole approach is with the app is let's talk to people like normal people, yeah. not like they're seventy five years younger than me, or um, as if I'm sitting on a mountaintop yeah. with with uh, robes on. That's just not the way it works. And I I should say I am not the meditation teacher, and and uh, because I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, wh- what I do is that we bring in the world's greatest meditation mm-hmm. teachers. And every day, the user gets a clip, like a short clip of me talking to the teacher, and then an audio clip where the teacher guides you through it. Mm-hmm. And then what we do is that we give you a coach who you can t- text with because when people start to meditate, they have a million questions. Yes. Usually, it's a permutation of one question, which is, am I doing this right? Mm-hmm. But uh, thus far, we've noticed that there are no apps that, that give you somebody, a real live human being, who can answer your questions. So that's what we do.
0: I love it. And what's it called?
1: 10% Happier meditation for fidgety skeptics i
0: love it and it's on the app store it's on yes android you can get
1: it in the apple app store if you have android you can get it through 10 percenthappier.com. you can download get a version for your phone
0: (laughs) we'll have it linked up here in the show notes here after this um how many interviews have you done in the app then
1: right now we have four teachers four teachers who've taught courses Mm -hmm. so we've got uh, a couple of basic courses were taught with this guy, Joseph Goldstein, who's my teacher, yeah. um, who I think is um among the, if not the greatest living Western meditation teacher. Wow. Um, he's been doing it for upwards of 50 years. He was really one of the key guys to bring it here from Asia. He went and learned it in his 20s. Uh, Sharon Salzberg is, uh, another person on the course, uh, 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 uh on the platform, and then t- a couple younger guys who are specifically teaching courses about how to use mindfulness to eat better mm. and to communicate better. And we're to mm, we're basically going to do infinite courses. Yeah. You know, we're ba- going to do parenting, depression, uh, um, fitness, health, fitness, stress, yeah. lots of, lots of areas. Yeah. Um, I
0: mean, I mean for me, the reason I like, you know, as an athlete, I felt like it's all about your belief. If you believe in yourself, essentially, that might sound a little woo woo But, you know, when you go against – when I'm competing at the national championships or when I'm competing against a great competitor, uh, if we both have the same talent, usually it's the person who is willing to work the hardest, was mm-hmm. the best drive, and who believes more and has that little bit of an edge and belief. And it's, it's the voice between our head, you know, in our head, between our ears that tells us whether we're worthy or we're not worthy. And, uh, or whether we should be reactive or angry or resentful or, um, any of these things that aren't serving us to move forward in a positive way. And so the reason I like to, to talk about it, um, is because I'm just like jock looking dude who's not some spiritual leader or something, you know, and I, and I feel like it works for me. And I feel like it can, if it can work for you, for me, it can work for a lot of people, uh, when it's approached in a different way, more relatable way. So I'm glad you guys are, are doing that work.
1: You're doing a great thing. I mean, it, it, It warms the cockles of my heart to hear somebody who looks like, I don't know, your listeners, your viewers know, but your listeners may not (laughs) know from being in this room with you. You're a large dude who uh, (laughs) played football and now plays handball. And- you are not the stereotypical evangelist for right, meditation, right. so to have you out there yes. is awesome. Yes. So
0: this is different for me. My friend Danielle Porte, was like, "You got to have a crystal in your office." So I was like, <laughs> "All right, send me a crystal." So I'm just like, I'm trying to add a little bit of it. I didn't me. mean to. I didn't mean to get on your case about that. It's <laughs> all good. That's but, all good. But
1: it is awesome that you're doing that. Right. I, I really nice. do think it's great.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, well, what's what do you think is the future for you besides this app and this movement? What's with your future for uh? TV. Are you still going to continue doing yeah. you know, GMA and, yeah. and all these
1: other – I, I you know, what's like, the plan for you? It, it, being a meditator has not dimmed my um, ambition. Before, I want to talk about that before I forget, mm-hmm. though, because getting back to your point about how it helps you as an athlete, what you were describing there, and I knew I wanted to say this, was getting in your own way. Yes. So when they talk about being in the zone, it means just not You're letting the, yeah. the voice between your head mess you up while you're trying to make a free throw. That's it. And and that is what meditation can help with. So, and and, and even though I'm better now, you know, 10% better at like not getting in my own way uh, and and I'm a little 10% calmer and a little bit nicer than I used to be. I'm still, <laughs> you're still really ambitious. No way. You I still get in my own way. way <laughs> I still say, you know, I make this joke a lot. My, If my wife were here, she would give me 90% still a moron speech. <laughs> so I am I still retain sure, sure, the capacity sure. to be a complete schmuck at times. So yeah, I, yeah. I'm just trying to be better all the time. Yes. And I'm still super ambitious. So, you know, uh, you asked me about what I would like to do in TV. I still want to keep moving up. I love yes. what I do. What's I love being dr- a dream What's
0: journalist. the dream uh, segment or spot for you? I kind of.
1: You know, I, there? I, well, I, yeah. I sort of feel like I have. I, if, if somebody told me today, you, look, you're going to continue co anchoring Nightline and the weekend edition of GMA in perpetuity, I'd be cool with that. Yeah. But, you know, if somebody told me today, hey, we're going to give you an evening newscast or a morning newscast during the week, I'd also be psyched to do that. So I, I'm, or, you know, w- whatever. I, I there are a million things of I'd be psyched of the game.
0: To do. Is there, any, is there another level? It
1: gets, well, sure, there are definitely levels up from where I am. There's there, you yeah. know, there are people who are significantly more prominent than I am, but, uh, I'm in a funny space now, where um, I'm simultaneously very happy with where I am, but also would be happy if uh, if somebody wanted to give me a bigger job too. Right, right. What I've gotten a little bit better at doing is not sort of like burning with the kind of negative style of ambition where I just can't stand that somebody else has something, and mm. I, uh, you, we sort of labor uh, under this false impression that if somebody else has a position that they got it dis, you know instead of us that we would have gotten if if they we would have gotten it if they hadn't right i don't think that's true you know i don't look at people who have bigger jobs than me and think well they only got that because you know whatever because they you know uh, for some random reason i should have that job sure, etc sure, sure. i don't think that's true yeah. and i think get dropping that illusion has been very useful mm,
0: okay uh Final few questions. This has been great. And I want to make sure everyone goes and follows up. Check out the show notes. Download the app. Get the book. We'll have it all linked up here afterwards. Thank you. Um, final few questions. What are you most grateful for in your life recently?
1: Baby. I had a baby, uh, 14 months ago. Just, your son, right? Yes, yeah, you Alexander. Just you just saw him. It's He's a been my, a cutie. every time He's I'm on like, the road. Bah. Thank you. Yeah. I asked my favorite question to ask him is what does a sheep say? And he said, <laughs> that, that's the only question I can answer, actually. <laughs> right. Right. Um, he, uh, uh you know what? The annoying thing about having, children is that all of the cliches are true really yes
0: it's the greatest thing in the world yes. you never felt love yes. like this before it's all true really
1: all true hate to say it wow as a man who as i'm on record in this podcast <laughs> saying i hate cliches <laughs> they're all true and um it's the greatest thing, really. Yes, That's it's also it. the worst thing. Yeah. You know, like the worst <laughs> thing. Like you, just when you fall asleep, the little shit starts screaming. Oh, you know, man. and you, you have to get used to a poop, yeah. which will really make you more humble. Uh, uh, changing when diapers, your baby, just
0: throws up on you. And yes,
1: pukes. He's puked on my face. He's puked on my shoes. He's, I, you You're know, like
0: I got five million people. I got to go talk yes. to right now. He you doesn't care deal with this little baby he throwing. Does up on not
1: me. care. Amazing. He's a little karmic torpedo aimed at my head. Wow. Um, but uh, it is incredible. And when I'm on the road, as, as happened right before this podcast, my wife and child will FaceTime me and I'll, I'll you know. Amazing. It's a, it is a huge burst of dopamine. Amazing.
0: Um, if you had all the money in the world to solve one problem in the world, what would that be? What would you use the money for?
1: Poverty. Why? We live in a, well, now as I'm saying that, I'm thinking of a bunch of questions, a bunch of other things, but I thought they were all interconnected because I think of poverty and climate change. Um, uh, inequality, obviously, is part of poverty. Um, climate change is disproportionately going to affect um, uh, the poor uh, who live in countries like Bangladesh and stuff like that. Um, I think climate change is the biggest story of our lives that nobody's talking about and that the media myself included is not doing a good enough job to highlight really yes it's a big difficult story to cover mm. there isn't a huge appetite for it um uh so I, ge- I guess i'm doing this thing of giving you two answers when you ask for one but okay. poverty and climate change are the two things and i i i'll add a third which is uh racism and and or or bigotry of any variety, you know, and I, these are all intertwined in ways, deep ways, because yeah. they all really go back to our. The voice is in our heads. Mm-hmm. Um, but bigotry and racism, uh, religious bigotry, uh, um, prejudice against people of different sexual orientations, mm-hmm. all of that. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if there's enough money in the world to solve this problem, but it's Would a problem. Would you call
0: it problem. education? Would you call it being educated? And Look, I think element? mindfulness will help. Yeah,
1: I do. I don't think I'm not of the view. I'm not a utopian. I don't think that mindfulness is going to solve all of our problems, but I do think it help us be happier, friendlier. I th- yes, know. I do. Th- I I think and less greedy. Yeah, and less judgmental. And um, you know, if if in fact I'm right that it's in the next big public health revolution, think about the last couple of public health revolutions: oral hygiene and uh, physical fitness. So they had a good effect, mm-hmm. but they didn't change behavior so much. This one could change behavior. Lowering reactivity, lowering your emotional reactivity will impact bullying, road rage, yeah. politics, yeah. journalism, uh, and perhaps big things like climate change, which is – this is a sort of um, term of art, you know, a tragedy of the commons, where yeah. we uh, – we, it's, it's a problem that's so big that it's easy to ignore uh, because yeah. one country and one person – Often feel like they can't do anything about it. It's so big. Yeah. Um, I think there are ways that it could in- boost the sort of global level of wisdom and self, selflessness that it's possible it could be a positive. It could be a positive contribution to some of these deep, deep problems. Yeah.
0: Biggest lesson you've learned from all the years of interviewing people and being on TV. Besides that, uh, the mindfulness stuff, what's the biggest thing that has come up for you? The biggest thing you've learned about yourself?
1: The hardest thing I've had to learn, which you are great at naturally, is listening. You, uh, you have this ability when, when you're interviewing. I feel like you're listening to me and you're not, you're doing, you have to, you have to like know what your next question is going right. to be. But I don't, I feel like you're actually listening and then a- asking something based on something I just said. Yes. I was really bad at that. I was always just kind of like planning the next thing and not listening, which made me a much worse interviewer because I wasn't um, spontaneously reacting to things. Right. Um, being um, as present. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you're really good at that and naturally. And I, I think for me, that's something that I've over time gotten a little bit better at. I yeah. can certainly do better.
0: Sure. Well, it's definitely been training on my end and practice. So it's, it's not easy to do. That's for sure. No. And, um, okay. Thanks for the compliment. Um, final two questions then. Uh, this is what I like to ask everyone at the end. It's called the three truths. And uh, it's the uh, final day for you. Many, many years in the future. All your friends and family are there. It's a happy moment. But everything you've ever created has been deleted and erased. All your TV interviews, your book, your apps, everything gone. And they say, you know, we have a piece of paper and a pen. And we want you to write down the three truths. That you know to be true about your life and your experience that you could pass on to us as wisdom for us to live our lives. What would you write down as those three truths? Uh,
1: don't be an asshole. Um, try to make awesome shit. Meditate. Awesome. I
0: love it. Final question before I ask it. Uh, is there anywhere we should go follow you online? Anywhere we should go to connect with you specifically? Where do you hang out most online?
1: Um, I'm I'm on Twitter a lot. We also have uh, 10percenthappier.com, Facebook. At Dan Harris on Twitter? Yeah, at Dan B. Harris. Harris. The B is for Beefcake.
0: Okay, awesome. That's actually not true.
1: (laughs) Your viewers will maybe not be able to tell that I'm small and scrawny. (laughs)
0: You remind me of Bob Costas a little. Has anyone told you that?
1: Uh, no, but I see it actually because I've met him and he's also like my yeah, he, height. And, and, he's shorter and, than you, yes. I think. Actually, he may be shorter than me. Yes. He's like
0: five five maybe. Or something, yeah, so that's but, shorter than me.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: okay, cool. And uh, final question before I ask, I want to uh, acknowledge you, Dan, for your your willingness to see what was in the way for you and to take to get out of your own way to start getting feedback and information to support your growth. Because it sounds like for many years you were cynical and mm-hmm. thought a specific way, but then you had a challenge and you were willing to get out of your own way and see, okay, maybe some of the people know some things that I don't know mm-hmm. that could serve me and therefore serve the world in a better way by it helping me. And so I want to acknowledge you for taking a leap and working on this because this is a big topic that I think not enough people are – consuming and taking in and by you with a platform and being able to get the message out there, you're serving a lot of people in a powerful, loving way. I think it's really important what you're doing, so I want to acknowledge you for that. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. And um, final question is what's your definition of greatness? What is my definition of
1: greatness? Um, I would go back to my list before of the, truths? Uh, the, the three truths. The definition of greatness would be the first two there of doing or building something awesome that you truly believe in and in the process building and maintaining great relationships not being an asshole is is a sort of flippant way of saying being a good compassionate person because that actually will be the greatest source of your happiness and also by the way you need those other people in order to build the thing that you want to build right jen harris thanks for coming on man thanks appreciate it great job
0: And there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please tag me on Twitter, at Lewis Howes, and on Instagram, at Lewis Howes, and let me know what you thought. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are putting out videos two to three times a week right now, inspirational videos, the full video interviews of our, of our podcast as well. It's all on YouTube, at YouTube slash Lewis Howes. Make sure to subscribe. Like, leave a comment, share it with your friends, and let me know what you think of the new video series. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Make sure to check out the book of Dan Harris, check out his new app. We'll have it all linked up at lewishouse.com slash two nine seven. And it means the world to me that you continue to show up. We're getting over a million downloads a month, a million plus downloads a month. In this movement of greatness of moving people towards their best life, their best health, the best relationships, their best purpose is what I'm all about. This is what I live for. And you guys are fueling it and moving it forward and spreading the message. We would not be able to create this movement without each one of you. So what you can do right now is to email a friend And send them this link or send them a link that you like the most on the School of Greatness and tell them to start listening and ask them questions, what they think about it and tell them to subscribe. And one person at a time, we're going to reach millions and millions and millions of people together. We're in this together. I love and appreciate you so very much. And you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great.